Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but why? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. All right, welcome back to uh, the this podcast <clears throat> about the baseball team from Boston, uh, America's most beloved podcast. Uh, Peter is watching the Bruins. Patrick is at a dinner, aka he's drunk again. Uh, Jake, you're alive. Yep, still alive. Love that. Love that Jake's alive. Welcome back, Jake. Uh, Tyler's here. Tyler Tyler cut his beard. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think I'm looking a little spiffy. Yeah. Trying to clean it up, trying to look a little bit more mature. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. This season sucks so far. I'm not having a good time. I'm just not having a good time watching this motherfucking baseball team. Uh, I am recording from my hotel room in Secaucus, New Jersey. Because I was here to to be on MLB Network, which is really fucking cool. I mean, the Red Sox ruined my day. I mean, ah, I can't say that. It was still a great day. It was a great day. Uh, but the Red Sox uh, losing three out of four to the Toronto Blue Jays, once again, scoring zero runs. Uh, so he- here's going to be like my main takeaway on this. Because I do, I do want to talk about the MLB Network stuff. That's pretty fucking cool. Um, my main takeaway for all the people... They were saying, we got to get a state of the nation video out there. We got to calm down the masses. Uh, panic is widespread right now. I get it. I, I get it, obviously, because of the teams that are ahead of you right now. The Red Sox, I believe, are five and a half games back in first place. Uh, I hate to scoreboard watch in April, but you do kind of have to pay attention when you're, con- I don't want to say falling out of it, but. Um, it's you and the Orioles, the only teams that don't have a winning record uh, in the American League East right now. The New York Yankees, 13-6. and six. They have a half-game lead over the Toronto Blue Jays, who are 13-7. and seven. Then you have the Tampa Bay Rays, who are 11-8, and eight, two games back. And then you have your 8-12 and 12 Boston Red Sox, who are five and a half games back, about to play, <laughs> about to play the 6-13 and 13 Baltimore Orioles. Um, you know, I look at the standings right now, and... It's hard. Like, are the Red Sox a losing team? No, I think they'll ultimately finish with a winning record. But it's it's hard not to feel like this could be the order. Like, I guess you could flip flop a couple teams above you, but like, I don't know about you, Tyler. This this feels almost. I don't want. I'm not. I'm not canceling the season. Don't get me wrong. I'm not giving up on the Sox. But they've been playing like a fourth place team. They're not as bad as the Orioles, but this is a fourth place team if this is what it is. Yeah, it's hard to fight it too much right now. I think the scariest thing is the one part of the team that really we didn't think we had to worry about that didn't feel like it needed to be a huge conversation was the offense. And, you know, there were moments in the series, don't get me wrong, where, you know, whether it was game two where you blow a game and it ultimately falls on the bullpen. The pitching has done its job, you know, yeah. for the most part. The offense is continuing to really be the main thing to be concerned about. And, you know, there's questions to raise over Garrett Whitlock's usage, him starting today, whether you could have had him coming out of the bullpen earlier in the series. But it was so 
just depressing. Uh, uh, t- watching today's game, and part of it is, you know, J.D. Martinez isn't healthy right now. Xander Bogart sits. Could could Xander have played today? It's a conversation point, you well, know. He, but he did Alex- follow that ball off of himself yesterday. Like I, I get that. Could he have played? Yeah. Um, I think it speaks to the team not panicking, which I give them credit for is everybody else outside starts to panic and thinks the year is already over mm-hmm. or that they're falling out. I think Alex Cora, he said it's a marathon. They're still acting like it's that way. I think if you're really complaining about one thing with Bogarts, it's why he didn't pinch hit in the seventh for Dolbeck. Um, right there a runner at third there? Yeah, after yeah. Arroyo had lined out. It, because you ended up bringing him in to start the eighth. I think that's just... For Dahlbeck in that situation, you can kind of have it, but it's hard. It's hard watching a team look so lifeless at the plate when you haven't hit a home run in a week. Yeah, and and I think what I keep arriving on, and I don't know how long I can continue to ride this train. I think it's still safe to be on this train for now, is it, like you said, if the offense is the biggest question mark right now, then you have to figure that they're going to start hitting. And when they start hitting, like, is the hitting isn't this bad, but on the same note, like the pitching isn't this good either. Um, you know, you lose that series finale one nothing. Uh, shout out to Alec Manoa, who you know last last episode I, I said like this dude is gonna absolutely throttle us, and he did. I mean, he's he's really fucking good. I think he's won his last eight starts. Um, he's really fucking good for for how young he is. He's very polished. He pitches with emotion. Uh, I'm a big Alec Manoa fan, um, but. I think when you look at this team and the way that they kind of have abandoned that approach that we've known these these good offensive teams to have, I think it goes beyond slumping. It's just you need to have a better approach. They're, they're swinging too much. They're not seeing as many pitches. And that's just not the Red Sox offense that, that we've come to see for the last two decades. Like the, the best Red Sox offenses that I've seen, they would grind at bats. And they would wait around for a pitch that they could they could handle. They could do something with. Um, but you've got these guys chasing pitches out of the zone. You've got guys that, and I don't I don't mind so much when 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 hitters are aggressive early in the count because in today's game you've got starting pitchers that are rolling out there with an arsenal of like five different fucking pitches. Some guys may not even see a fastball. It's just like. Slider, cutter, curveball, two, uh, it, you know, it is what it is with, with some of these uh, pit, like starting pitchers out there and, and all the different weapons that they have. So if you get a, if you get a heater and it's flat and it's, it's got too much of the plate, go up there hacking because you may not see another fastball than the rest of the at bat. Um, but you know, I, I, that's just kind of what I'm holding on to hope wise is that if their biggest problem is the offense, they're gonna start hitting. I, I had I had the statistic before the game the other day, where um, it was Xander, Devers, JD, and Verdugo. Uh, I'm gonna see if I can find. Yeah, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, JD Martinez, and Alex Verdugo are hitting a combined 290 with a 793 OPS, which is good. It's not great. Um, around 800 is is good. You'll take that. Uh, everyone else on the team is hitting a combined 179 with a 493 OPS, which is very bad. And those that was before the game uh, yesterday. Uh, what's today? Fucking today's Thursday. So before Wednesday's game. So those numbers are probably worse now uh, after getting shut out 
Um, they did, however, they, they, they scored seven runs on Wednesday, but you get shut out in the finale. And yeah, I, like you look at that list and it's like, well, Bogarts and JD weren't in the lineup. So two of the, two of the guys that were like, all right, these guys have been good and everyone else sucks. Uh, the two good guys were not, were not in that lineup. And you, you have to wonder, oh, wow, they got shut out. Yeah, no shit. They got shut out. Um, so yeah, I, it's, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, we're running out of time and the Red Sox are going to fall too far out of it. Uh, it just, it, it concerns me that the Yankees are good. The Blue Jays are good. The Rays are good. So it, you don't want to put yourself in a position to where these teams get off to a good start, which they have. You get off to a bad start, which you have. And then you have to spend the next five months trying to make up ground. And and I'm not going to say that this is a division-winning ball club. Um, could they make the playoffs? Yeah. Yeah, I think that they're, they're good enough to make the playoffs. Uh, but... I mean, shit. This is uh, it's frustrating because it does feel like, and I, I'm, you guys can, I'm sure you can attest to this as people that watch all the games. Um, it feels like we just watch the same game over and over again. It just feels like the same fucking game over and over again. That's why, like Wednesday, uh, the seven to one game felt like coming up for air. It's like, yes, that that, and I was saying that to the players after Wednesday night's game. I was like, this fucking team is a lot, a hell of a lot closer to what we saw tonight than all this other bullshit that we've seen for, for the whole year. And they all agreed. Like, it's not like a lack of confidence. Like everyone that I said that to, I was like, yes, the the, the Red Sox that we saw tonight, like that's what this team is capable of doing on a, a virtually a nightly basis. And the consensus was like, yep, yep, yeah, we are good. Don't worry about it. And that's, what I guess, why I haven't hit the panic button is because I, there have been teams that when things aren't going right or well, they'll tell you like, yeah, man, shit, you know, it's just not our year. Like they'll give you an accurate gauge. This Red Sox team are outright. They may not. I mean, they're not making these comments publicly, I guess. But uh, the, 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 the temperature in the room is... We're better than this. Like this is not who we are. We're not a fucking eight and twelve baseball team. Um, and and speaking specifically to uh, this game that happened today, the one nothing loss. I mean, no one's gonna wear that harder than fucking Christian Arroyo. Christian Arroyo gets the start at shortstop because Xander Bogart's not in the lineup, and he tries to uh, go to his right, goes to the backhand, and can't make the play. It's an error. And then that run ends up uh, coming in to score on a base hit later in the inning. And it's a one nothing ball game. That's it. <laughs> That's the only action in the fucking game. And and on top of it, like he's in that spot, puts a great swing on the ball later in the game in that seventh inning. And it's, you know, straight to the shortstop. It's like, come on. It, it's one of those situations where, you know, this, what I hate so much about where they're at right now is it feels exactly like August and September did. Where there was never any breathing room. There was never a chance to relax. And that seven to one win, it felt like breathing room for the first time in, you know, a week, like where you could actually feel comfortable and feel good about yourself. And it's a little upsetting how good it did feel. You know, right now we're so desperate for anything to kind of cling to and feel like they're taking the step forward because anybody who looks at the team, like you said, Jared, is saying they are way better than this. But I think 
the tough part is you're watching the same, like you're feeling like you're watching the same game again and again because you are. Jose Barrios, the first game, he was throwing crap out there. It was crap. And the Red Sox were on it, off rip. Could they chase him from the game? No, they couldn't. And he settled in just like he did the first time he pitched against you. Uh, Ross Stripling, you can go right to that game as well. You were on him early again. Good swings, good approaches, better than what you had seen, but you couldn't chase these guys away. It's just this cycle of stuff where you're finding different ways to lose games, whether it's, you know, Bobby Delbeck just not handling the ball well and, you know, bouncing off his glove and kind of screwing you, whether it's Jake Diekman throwing a fastball rate, you know, George Springer's dick and he takes it to the damn moon. Like you're finding different ways. And then Christian Arroyo being on the bad end of it today when your offense just, it was dead. Yeah. JBJ hitting fifth for you. Like I could have told you they were going to score zero runs. Anybody could have. And it's no slander to JBJ. Like he just shouldn't be in that situation. And it's a depth problem. And the Red Sox know damn well. It's a depth problem. Why else were they talking about AJ Pollock heading into this year? Why were they in that conversation? Because they know, you know, You've moved Christian Arroyo into this place where, you know, he has to serve in a platoon and he can't be a regular utility guy for you. You know, he's playing a little bit above his head in what you need from him at this moment. It's just, it's not a good situation to be in. You feel thin. You feel like you're always walking on thin ice and you just, you, I understand treading water. That's one thing. It just feels like right now you're short multiple pieces and it's making life hell for you when the one part of your team that you thought you could depend on is just not showing up yeah that's fair that's fair uh I, you know the the jake diekman inning you go into a bottom of the ninth situation with a three-run lead right five two yep five two ball game you get a three-run lead and lose that ball game and you it like we're talking about a fucking red sox team right now that if it weren't for those two like saturday night with kevin kiermeyer and what was that, Tuesday? Tuesday night? Yeah. Tuesday yep. night with fucking Jake Diekman and George Springer. You win those two ball games, and you should. Like, I I think, correct me if I'm wrong, did I say that they were going to split this series in Toronto? That was our prediction. Okay. So, you walk out of Toronto with a split. You take two out of three from Tampa. Those are two games that you should have won. And we're talking about a completely different vibe. And you're still what? Uh, Record-wise, what would you be? 10 and 11? Yes. You're still not in a great spot, but you feel much better. Like You can at least see progress of, all right, maybe this team isn't going to bludgeon teams to death so far. They're capable of it, but they're not doing it yet. Maybe they're not winning every night 7 to 1. Um, but those tough ball games like the Saturday night game in Tampa and the five, two in the bottom of the ninth in Toronto, you win those games, which you should, you feel a little bit better about this team. And I, it's, it's easy to look at the record and say, Oh, yikes, eight and 12. That this team kind of (laughs) sucks, but, uh, yeah, I, they're just, they ran, I mean, we're talking about the teams that are ahead of them in the, in the division, Tampa and Toronto. And those are the teams that did that to you both times. Like those are the teams that, uh, you know, you, if you leave one over the fucking heart of the plate to George Springer, that he's going to make you pay for that. Not that Kevin Kiermeyer is some offensive monster, but he's been there and done that in Tampa. And 
you know, you give these teams opportunities to beat you and guess what? They're going to fucking beat you. Like that's why you, you know, that's why they, <laughs> that's why, that's why they're in the position that they're in. And that's why you're in the position that you are in. Um, but Jake, I'm curious. How do you, how do you feel about this Red Sox team right now? As it, as it stands today, you just lost three out of four to the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, you got the Orioles this weekend. So at least that, that that would be the moment that I'm probably like jumping in the bathtub with a toaster oven is if they can't handle the Orioles. Um, you need all three. But how do you feel about this team right now? I mean, I don't feel great. <laughs> no. uh, like, obviously, I expect the offense to come back. Like, we have a pretty similar lineup to what we had last year, and everyone knows what happened last year. So, like you said, I'm not going to just completely quit and panic right now. But, yeah, I think I think this weekend, like, I've, I've predicted a sweep every single series this year, and <laughs> they've made me look like a fucking idiot every <laughs> single time. You don't look stupid, Jake. Yeah, you're not you an don't. idiot. Yeah, but this this series is is the one we need to sweep for sure. Yeah, they absolutely need to sweep. Um, I I wanted to pull up that tweet I was talking about before we went on the air. The guy that is here it is. Um, I eventually want to get him on the podcast because I get a real kick out of him. Um, he listens to the show. Like you would think that someone who hates the Red Sox this much every year, the most negative Red Sox fan I've ever encountered in my life. Uh, he thinks that the season's over three games into every season and he sticks to it. I would love to go back and, and like, I haven't admittedly gone back and looked at the tweets from 2018, but I would love to see if he still like had this, um, same energy when they were on pace for the most wins in franchise history. But he tweeted me a half hour ago. Uh, the handle is Hartman Teets six. <laughs> and he said, socks are toast. He can't possibly tell me this isn't a tank season. Shed JD, maybe Nate's salaries now and use it to re-sign Xander. Story can be shipped out when he's eligible. Probably cost a prospect to move his contract. This team is a couple of years from contention. I think uh, this was a John Tomasi article that came out over the last couple of days. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I get the entertainment value from him. Uh, he, he keeps this same energy regardless of what's going on with the Boston Red Sox. And he'll want his credit when he's right because he's just... I mean, if you think that the season's over all the time, eventually the season's going to be over. And ultimately, you'll be correct. Like More often than not, not like there isn't a team that wins the World Series every year. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm really interested. Like Maybe we get this individual on the podcast at some point because, again, he does listen. And he, the last time I read one of his tweets on the air, he was, he was very uh, appreciative for the shout-out. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would love to... Because I guess that's something that we get accused of often is... We're too positive. Uh, we we need to balance that out with with Hartman Teets, the big Teets. <laughs> like I, I get it. I, I understand where the panic can come from right now watching this team, but you know it, it is so early in the year, and there are solutions. It's just how far can you, how long can you tread that water? You know, we we know whether it's Chris Sale, James Paxton, guys that you're going to see in June. You know, starting pitching seems like it's been enough to get you there. Josh Taylor is going to be back in the next couple of weeks. It, it's just, you know, you look at the offense. 
they should be able to hit. Trevor Story will not be like this forever. And, you know, you're seeing it. It flashes here and there. It's just when you're pressing as hard as you can and every single game is a run one way or the other, all these other issues get magnified. And when Jake Diekman gave up, you know, that walk off to Springer, it felt like, you know, for weeks, the bullpen doing its job and the starting rotation doing its job. Everyone turned to that. It was, oh, look, the pitching had finally failed. Well, uh, you know, two days later, we're back at it. It's the same story that it's been throughout this period. It's the offense. that That's what everybody's concerned about at this point. It's just, yeah, I, I think like you said, if you get to this Orioles series and you can't find a way to at least swing the bat and take two out of three, you, you probably should sweep. I think it's pretty hard to ignore. They made five errors against the Yankees today. Like, please, <laughs> please. Five, like Compared to the catches you saw from Zimmer in the series, Springer, you know, Tapia, whoever you want to name it, just a couple breaks. This team needs some momentum going their way. It just it feels like right now anything that could go wrong goes wrong against them. It that's true and it isn't. Like, so I'm looking at it right now. Uh, like someone that I wanted to talk about, Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes was throwing the shit out of his hook, and he, I mean, velocity wise, is he throwing 96 up there? No. Um, but 92 today. Yeah, but he seems to be pitching. He seems to be learning how to pitch with what he has right now. And injury-wise, I mean, he, he'll he tell you he's not hurt. So I don't know what's going on with the velocity. Um, because last year, when Matt Barnes was at his best last year, is because he was filling up the zone with his fastball. Uh, you know, when he starts to get like curveball happy, he has two different kinds of curveballs. He's got like the knuckle curve and just like a standard curve. Um, and it, you know, you know, he was getting some big swings and misses today on the curveball. Uh, but he's at his best when he's when he's dotting the heater. So I don't know. I I just want to point out Matt Barnes. I know that like when you're losing all these games, it's easy to be like, who gives a fuck if the bullpen was outstanding? It's like, well, because that matters when you're talking about canceling the season. <laughs> like when you break it down, and you know that the Red Sox offense is going to pick it up at some point. You look at what they've been able to do from a bullpen perspective, and it's like, yeah, I mean, this fucking like Robles still sporting a fucking zero. Um, You're going to have Tanner Houck back, you know, after this series. So you're going to get Garrett Whitlock seemingly back in that bullpen or some form, Uh, whether it's both of them until they need a fifth starter again on May 7th. I think that's another conversation point. But you should have the firepower you need there. And credit to Matt Barnes. He doesn't have the fastball, but what is he doing? He ups his changeup. He's trying to incorporate it heavy into his arsenal at this point to mm. make up for it. All right. It, it, it's He looked more effective today than I think he has in a majority of his appearances this year. Ryan Brazier's velocity ticked back up. I thought that was the best Brazier we've seen so far this year. It's just a lot of those things. Overall, they've been trending in the right direction. It, it's just the at-bats. It's getting on base. It's like Trevor Story, when you have, you know, you look at today's lineup, the third highest OBP, and it's 308. That's that terrible. Gonna, that's so embarrassing. Like, it's just obviously guys are cold. He's struggling, whatever it may be. But, you know, Devers, Devers is under 300 in that sense. You're not going to get by. You can't go inning to inning and not work pitchers and expect throughout a series like this to tire out the other team's bullpen and capitalize like an offense needs to. Ugh. I'm looking at it right now. All right, let's just let's just go down the list. I think stats had a really good uh, breakdown of just the guys in the lineup today and where all their OBPs rank. 
Uh, fucking Bogarts is hitting 392. We'll give him a pass. JD, 826 OPS. All right. We'll take that. Devers, 277, 752. He needs to be better. Like, that's not bad, but it's not. I mean, if you want $300 million, let's let's start playing like a $300 million player. Uh, Verdugo, 254, the 705 OPS. Again, it's like, all right. I mean, I'm not going to kill you for it, but you could be doing better. Those Beyond are the two base. guys. Yeah. Those two guys carried your lineup early in the year. Devers and Verdugo. Yep. Since they've yep. cooled down, the offense is completely shut down. Yeah. Kike, 197 with a 610. Not going to get it done. Trevor Bad. Story, 224 with a 601 OPS. Not going to get it done. Vasquez, who, by the way, if we had the juice balls, that was that was a homer. The other Easy. way. Yep. That was a homer. So, I mean, it's still not going to save you from... You know, 209 with a 513 OPS. Not going to get it done. Jackie Bradley Jr., 161 with a 486 OPS. Not going to get it done. Bob, 154 with a 457 OPS. Not going to get it done. Uh, Christian Arroyo, 194 with a 384 OPS. That's bad. Uh, Ploiecki, I mean, he's not an everyday guy. 125 with a 292 OPS. Travis Shaw still does not have a hit. Still does not have a hit. Uh, 0 for 19 to start the season. Zero. 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 Uh, so yeah, I mean, like, I'll, I'll fucking, I'll count it up right now. Like, let's fucking, let's get all these these players' numbers. What are the Red Sox hitting? Um, when, yeah, all right. What are the Red Sox hitting besides those players? Let's let's remove. Uh, we're gonna remove Bogarts. Let's remove JD. Let's remove Devers and. Verdugo, the Red Sox as a fucking team. If you remove those four guys, they're hitting 176 with a 485 OPS as a team. If you take out Bogarts, JD, Devers, and Verdugo, I, I mean you can bad. even put them in. Like put put it fucking Verdugo in there, even with Verdugo. Do they hit 200? Nope. 188 with a 519 OPS. Let's throw Devers in there. 201. <laughs> 201 Ooh. with a 555 OPS. That's the whole team if you just take out Bogarts and JD. The, you know, the OPS for this team this month is the lowest it's been since September 2012. We're talking Moro Gomez. We're, Mor- we're talking that era, that era of Red Sox baseball. That's what we've watched. Mm-hmm. Somehow, somehow the 2020 team was better. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. This is the worst <laughs> offensive month since September 2012 when you had garbage out there. You had nothing. James Loney was running out and having a blast for you. You were just, you were just trying to fast forward through these games. Like Fuck you had it. completely given up and just, that's it. You know, Bobby Valentine knew it was just like only a couple days until he got fired. You fast forwarded through the end. And this is just a lineup where, hey, not everything's been right. You know, JD's been a little unhealthy, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But that's where you're at. Fucking Alan Webster was up there chucking dick balls. Zach Stewart, legend, trying Zach to get his Stewart. shit together. Someone, someone, I, oh my God, that just, that just jogged the memory. Someone that I know because of Zach Stewart got two dogs and named them Zach and Stewart because of fucking Zach Stewart. That dude, was he even like, did he even play baseball? For- <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me fucking look this asshole up. 
I think his last time in the bigs was with the Red Sox that year. Like he never made it back up. Zach Stewart. I mean, he doesn't even log. Like he this is like a completely different Zach Stewart. They're like, who? Baseball <laughs> reference, like, who the fuck are you talking about? Unless he spelled it with an H. Zach Stewart. Okay, here he is. Oh my God. Well, it was the end with the Red Sox, right? That was the last yeah. time? Yeah. So Zach Stewart. <laughs> Zach Stewart last pitched in the big leagues with the Boston Red Sox and had a 22.24 ERA. That's like Pat Light territory. <laughs> what was uh, what was Pat Light's ERA? It was fucking 23 with the Red Sox? I believe so. Like, if Pat Light is worse than this guy, we need to kick him off the show. Pat Light's ERA with the Red Sox was 23.63. Wow. So worse than Zach Stewart, but about the same. Yikes. Yikes. I wonder if and they that, know each other. Maybe. I, I hope they're not exchanging pitching tips. That would be Likely they are. Yeah. Um, did anything else like stand out to you in, in the Toronto series? I mean, like, Vlad, like they fucking sat Vladdy and still won. They were like, "Yeah, he's not, he's not hitting homers. He hit what, what five homers in like the first whatever games, and now he's hit zero in his last eleven. <laughs> so they benched him." But the yeah. one thing that upset me uh, was the first game. I know you don't have Alex Cora. I know Will Venable is learning on the go here, and he's someone with big league managerial aspirations. Um, I believe it was Evaldi had thrown seventy two pitches through seven innings. Uh doesn't come out for the eighth inning. Will Venable says after the game, well, we didn't want him to face the top of the order. Well, in the eighth inning, he was going to face a seven, eight, nine guy. Right. Uh, and, that was the you know, 72 pitch game. Yep, exactly. And you already have, you know, a shortage of arms in the bullpen. You're trying to keep guys fresh. Instead, you know, you go away from that and it ends up blowing up in your face. Part of it's just poor defense. Um, that felt like total overthinking. And the response after the game was just, annoying because you know it's okay if you just admit it didn't work out don't talk to me like i'm stupid i yeah. I, I know who was up that inning you know what i mean like yeah. they, i thought that was the best nate of all has looked all season uh because we've talked about it while the era and stuff looked good the fit wasn't great he had been kind of you know pushing through some of those starts um so i think in those spots where you can get a little bit more at least 20 pitches it goes a long way um but you know ultimately you look at this entire series as a whole. There was a lot of different stuff like that. Moments like that, blown saves, offense not showing up. It, it's just a, a lot of bunch of bad things. It was just, you look at this series, it was just a lot of bad things. So I had this conversation with Maz on uh, the baseball hour on Tuesday night about Nathan Avaldi and whether or not I thought that he would have come back out to face 789 at 72 pitches if Alex Cora. Uh, was in the dugout. And I thought about it. And I, I I have to believe, like it's not like a hindsight's 2020 thing. I have to believe Cora would have sent him back out. Because I understand that the Red Sox, as an organization, have been the, the type of, like we're going to look at the numbers and we're not going to send a guy back out to see a lineup for, for a third time. They did it all last year with Tanner Houck. Um, I believe it was that that final series of the season against the Nats where Hauk came out of the game with a no-hitter because it was like, well, 
we don't want to see him have him see the lineup for a third time. Uh, and it ultimately worked. And I remember Cora was like, hey, listen, like, we know what we're doing over here. Like, don't, <laughs> I understand no hitters are cool, but we're trying to, like, we need to win these fucking ball games. Like, it's not, it's not like June or whatever. Like, this is the last series of the season. We got to win every game, like, fucking no hitter. We're trying to get to the playoffs. I had no issue with it. And I think most people didn't have an issue with it. Um, but with Nathan Avaldi, I think that that is a guy that let's just say that the numbers tell you. Don't let him go back out there. If Nate goes to Alex in that situation, knowing, hey, this is a divisional opponent. I'm feeling good. I'm still feeling strong. It's seven, eight, nine. I got this. If you want to go batter to batter with me, that's fine. You give Let's up a hit that. and get out. Sure. Uh, I have to believe that if Alex is in the dugout, uh, that Nate comes back out. I, it was just like Nate's not one of those guys that you just look at a stat sheet and say, this is what we're going to do because this is what the numbers say. Like, I think by this point, Avaldi having been here since Cora got here as manager, that he's built up enough trust with Alex. Like, when it, when has there been ever a time that Nathan Avaldi has forced his way back out onto the mound and it blew up and didn't work out and the Red Sox lost the game? Never. That's never happened. So... I don't know if that relationship just isn't there with Will Venable or Will is just like, hey, listen, uh, I'm only managing for like a few days. I don't want to fuck this up. If they tell me that you have to come out, then you have to come out like it is what it is. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, gun to my head. Yeah, I think that I think that Nate probably stays in the game. And and what was the score at that point? Uh, It was was it a tie ball game. Yeah. Because you had the Bobby Dahlbeck error that ended that led up, to the Grand Slam. Yeah, exactly. Uh, before yeah. Bo Bichette took you. Um, but like that's the stuff that frustrates me. I think the way I viewed it, we know obviously Will Venable was talking with Alex Cora. They were coming up with plans before these games. I think Will Venable had a very loose plan, you know, where they kind of wanted to go. And he was just scared. He, you know, he tried to play it as safe as he could there. It's just that was the least amount of pitches Nate Evaldi threw in a start all year. He threw a hundred in Detroit. He did. Like, like seriously, it's not like it's one of those things where it's like, oh, well, you know, we're kind of easing him in. We don't want to push him too far. It's the best he looked all year. Uh, like, this is your shot to do it. Let him run out and give you those 20 pitches because 20 pitches means a lot when you don't have Tanner Houck in this, you know, pitching staff, whether it's in a bullpen role or a starting rotation. 20 pitches like that means the world. And you just kind of walked away from it and what makes Alex Cora one of the best managers in baseball is he is willing to take in those analytics and he understands when they have importance, but he understands feel for the game. He, he knows sometimes when the moment speaks to you more than the numbers do. And there's certain managers, as we've known, as we've seen in the playoffs, they don't know. They can't tell the difference. And it's blown up in their face in different ways and made them look like they're nothing but, you know, just trying to listen to the analytical sheet and not get in trouble. That's what it felt like from Will Venable in that spot. He he wasn't willing to kind of step and put his neck out there a little bit. And that's why you felt, you know, you know, you're a great manager like Alex Cora when you're gone like that. And the entire team can feel the uneasiness of someone mm-hmm. else making those decisions. And yeah, it bit you. It, it's just one of the many things that continue to bite you that find a way to kind of take you down over the last couple of weeks. Just just so that we note this. Nathan Avaldi came out of that game after seven innings at 72 pitches. Avaldi's 
last start was also against the Blue Jays. And he threw 95 pitches. His last time up before that, 101 pitches. So, I mean, I I don't get it. Uh, I don't think that it's, I mean, you know, series has come and gone. Uh, I don't think that it was worth anything to ask Cora about that when you got back like two games later to be like, hey, Alex, uh, would you have kept Nathan Avaldi out there? It's not, a pl- if it was a playoff series, sure. Um, but for an April series in Toronto, uh, I don't think we're going to get that answer. And I don't think that like that series or that game in particular is going to prove to be some sort of turning point where someone's going to be like, yeah, but do you remember on April 25th, like that game against Toronto and they fucking took Evaldi out? Uh, but yeah, 72 pitches after throwing 95 pitches against the same exact team, his last time out, I would have to believe that Nathan Evaldi comes out for the eighth inning uh, if Alex Cora is still in the dugout. Uh, you mentioned Tanner Houck. Um, that's an awkward situation because uh, like I get it. Like all the people that are like, oh, he's selfish and this and that. And like, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, I hate when real life stuff gets involved in sport. Like I'd rather just talk about baseball and like what happens on the field. Um, the pandemic has obviously injected itself into the narrative of sports because now you're talking about fans coming back and you got to have a vax card to go on the field and this and that. And now uh, when you're talking about Tanner Houck not being vaccinated and and not wanting to get vaccinated and thus not being able to come on the trip to Toronto and that changes up the rotation, that changes up. I mean, uh, Cutter Crawford also not vaccinated. So then you saw Danish who gave up the grand slam. Is that, is that cutter Crawford in that spot instead of Danish? Uh, maybe, uh, is the result different? Who knows? It's not fair to say that cutter Crawford comes out there and slices up Bo Bichette. We don't know. Um, so I don't want to go too crazy with the, what if in, as it pertains to the cutter Crawford and Bo Bichette grand slam situation, but undoubtedly you can definitively say the Red Sox could have used Tanner Houck in the series. Uh, does the series play out differently if Tanner Houck is in Toronto? I have to believe it does. I have a hard time believing George Springer is, you know, Jake Diekman. That whole situation plays out the way it did. And you're yeah. not going to Garrett Whitlock in that spot. Right. Uh, yeah. The how, how Garrett Whitlock is used in this series changes entirely because you don't have Tanner Houck. Uh, that being said, I'm not going to sit here and tell someone to put something in their body that they don't want to put in their body for the sake of a sport. Like, I get it. We all love the Red Sox. That's why we're listening to the show. That's why we're doing this show. We all want the Red Sox to win. We want to see them win another World Series. We want to see them beat the Toronto Blue Jays in Toronto. I get it. I do. I'm vaccinated. I'm boosted. I got it immediately. I didn't really have to think about it. I was like, all right, because of my job, I'm going to have to do this whether I like it or not. So I did it. That was my personal choice. I just, I don't feel comfortable making someone feel like they're a bad person because they didn't want to do it. Um, I get how, and trust me, when people are like, all right, if, if you're going to you know, have that stand, what about Chris Sale? And it's like, yeah, you, you, know, you would say the same thing about anyone that doesn't want to get the vax or the booster or whatever. Like, 
I get how it comes off from a, a teammate standpoint. Oh, you're you're selfish and this and that. We're talking about a sport versus like people being concerned about their health and whatever. I mean, that's why I hate talking about it. I do. <laughs> I fucking I think it's wildly uncomfortable to discuss. Um, but I think at least on a baseball level, what we can say is that that series undoubtedly plays out much differently if Hauk is there versus what we got him not being there and the Red Sox having to change up their rotation, their bullpen usage, all of the above. Like it, it had an impact and we saw it. Yeah. And you know, don't get me wrong. I think it's okay to look at how it can be like, well, that's, this is the impact of what played out. Um, but ultimately who knew or who before all this, before how came out and we found out a couple weeks ago, he was one of the unvaccinated players. Who's known about this? The Red Sox. Heim Bloom. They knew the situation with these arms, with knowing they were an arm short before Chris Sale whenever or when Chris Sale went down, knowing they still didn't do anything when Tanner Houck was going to end up not being there for some of your biggest games of the season against Toronto. Oh, they got James Paxton, though. In June. And, and that's where it falls. And that's where the Eddie Rodriguez stuff. Eventually, those innings and those holes, they need to be thrown by someone. And if you don't have someone there who can step in and cover those innings in some way, you have the Garrett Whitlocks of the world get pushed out, having to start games. It weakens your entire pitching staff because you're shifting guys. There's no balance. Guys don't know their roles. These are the kind of trickle-down effects of that stuff. And as you know, the leader of the Bluminati or whatever you want to call it, listen, Tanner Houck, yes, him not being around led to this um, You know, as a direct result. But the only guys, the only people who knew this were the Red Sox front office ahead of time. They had the chance to prepare for this and put themselves in a position where it wasn't a big problem. They chose to ignore it, and they paid the price for it. Zach Stewart ain't walking through that door, folks. He just Don't say that. Zach Stewart is not walking through that fucking door. So here we are with what we've got. Um, And on the same subject of Tanner Houck, uh, we come back to um, the series <clears throat> against the Baltimore Orioles in Baltimore. Not to look ahead just yet. Not yet. But we can look at the starters slated for that series. Rich Hill, Nathan Valdi, Nick Pavetta. And you still don't see Tanner Houck. And you made the observation that Chris Cotillo of the Mexican Times explained why this is. Because my first inkling was, Huh. No Tanner Houck. I mean, they just played four games in Toronto that he couldn't be a part of. You would think that that Houck would be inserted back into the rotation immediately because he's obviously rested and he's been great. Tanner Houck is has been really good for the Red Sox to start this year. Um, Tyler, why why isn't Tanner Houck in the rotation this weekend? Yeah, so we know tomorrow the plan is for him to piggyback Rich Hill. So that should help you because you basically drained a majority of your bullpen today trying to get through this game. But realistically, you're only going to need between now and May 17th, a fifth starter or, or, you know, another starter beyond the four you have once. Uh, So you can kind of get through that area. I believe May 7th would be that day. So you can kind of load up on Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck throughout that period in your bullpen and give yourself a little bit more depth there. And we've seen on, you know, the Red Sox bullpens run out of arms throughout this stretch, especially when Whitlock hasn't been available to you. Well, here you go. You have another guy who can give you multi-innings, who can kind of separate and give 
you know, a day where you go heavily on Robles and Deakman and these other guys, it's a lot more firepower when you have someone else who can give you, you know, two, three, maybe even four innings. I'm not going to sweat anything right now, but if they don't, if they don't show up against the Orioles, if if they don't show up against the Orioles, I'm again not going to cancel the fucking season. I'm not going to say it's over, but I am going to start to actually get discouraged. Right now, I'm just irritated. Right now, I'm just like, there's a, it's a cross between being confused, irritated. And I think a lot of Red Sox fans can relate to this because we're used to seeing slow starts. Like we've seen slow starts pretty often, I feel like. Um, And if you're a diehard Red Sox fan, then you get it because the season ends, especially coming off of a great season, coming off of making it to the ALCS, coming two games shy of the World Series. There's a lot of excitement around that team in October. They felt like a team of destiny, ultimately didn't get there. But you felt like, all right, you know, like Heim Bloom comes in, you trade Mookie Betts. All right, that was upsetting. Um, but there was a reason behind it. And 2020 sucked, but then 2021 happened. You're like, okay, all right, this is a team that I can get behind. This is a likable group. Like, this is a team that was uh, built to compete and maybe su- surprise some people. You can root for them. It's not like 2011 when uh, on opening day, you had the Boston Herald say the best Red Sox team ever, and then they sucked to start the year. They were great in the middle, and they they collapsed in September. Like, everyone hated that team. Um, 2021 was a team that was like, fuck yeah, I can get behind this group. And then you wait all offseason with the lockout. That was frustrating. If you're a baseball fan sitting through the fucking lockout being like, God damn it, are we even going to have a baseball season? And when the lockout gets lifted, being like, all right, like, are we going to make a surprise move here? Is there going to be this this flurry of free agent signings and the Red Sox are going to uh, end up with something here? Maybe it, Maybe it's a trade. Maybe they signed someone that we didn't expect them to. Those things didn't happen. And after waiting through the offseason, through the lockout, through the disappointing free agency period, then, then you get your baseball back. And this is what you get is, is a team that is really fucking hard to watch on a nightly basis. Because like we've been saying all along, this team was built to hit. And if they were hitting... At, oh. at at the at the level that they're capable of hitting at, what do you think their fucking record is? Like they're they're contending for first place. Like and if they even the, hit half, three quarters of, of what they were supposed to do offensively, we're talking about a team that is in the mix right now for first place. Maybe they're in first place, and we're having all these conversations again of like, okay, all right, huh? Yeah, you built a fucking team that, that you know maybe maybe a lot of people were. On the Blue Jays' dick, but the Red Sox are the team that that were the last team standing in this division last year. So I don't know, but that's why it's frustrating, and that's why it's that feeling of I'm confused, I'm irritated because I think that they're capable. And the biggest question mark coming into the season was the pitching. Then Chris Sale has the rib injury, and it's like ah oh, fuck. It's like this this pitching like they're gonna have to beat teams nine to seven now. And then you get these ball games where you're losing one to nothing. You're holding the Toronto Blue Jays lineup that everyone was coming themselves over to one run and losing the game. It, 
in well, the series. Three fucking games to one. While you're watching Anthony Rizzo hit these dinky 310-foot home runs and Yankees Twitter is, you know, going nuts thinking, look at look at what we finally done. You know, Anthony Rizzo, Joey Gallo finally hit a friggin' home run for us. Whoop-de-doo. Everything's amazing. Um, like, I, I, that's just the frustrating part where whether it's them, whether it's the Blue Jays and George Springer taking you deep, the Rays and Kevin Kiermaier, no hitting you for nine damn innings. Like, you get to the 10th, you have it. It's just, you look around, and I think that's where the panic is. It's just, everybody else seems to be having so much damn fun. And yeah. every single night, <laughs> you just get kicked in the dick by this Red Sox team. And, yeah. you know, getting kicked in the dick sucks. Everybody knows getting kicked in the dick sucks. But That's a cool you know card, you're- Jake. Getting kicked in the dick sucks. Yeah. But when you know you can stop yourself from getting kicked in the dick and you still get kicked in the dick, guess what? It sucks even more. Sucks even more. That's where you are. Just getting kicked in the dick all the time. And and I'll ask you this, Jake. How many many times do you think you can get kicked in the dick and get back up again? Not a lot. Not a lot. We're we're getting to the limit. (laughs) We're getting to the... We're getting to the limit of how many how many times we can get kicked in the dick and just keep on keep on moving, you know? You have like, a Bruce Scrotum right now. Oh, it's it is throbbing. It's like why it, it it's purple, leaking. It's swollen. There might be some fluid. We don't know what kind of fluid, really. And that's a problem. Like you're at the point where you're like you're beyond just considering booking a doctor's appointment. Like you've you've called the doctor. You've been like, hey, like look at my look at my dick. Please. I'm begging. <laughs> yeah. That's where we're at right now with this Red Sox team. And you mentioned the fucking the Rizzo thing. Like I, my balls are completely clipped here. The Red Sox are not winning. The Yankees are winning. It was cool when when the Yankees were sucking too. It was it, like it reminded me of like being in middle school where it's like I don't feel as bad about failing this class because my best friend is failing too. So like, we're just going to fail together and, and then we can tell our parents about how hard it was and how hard that we tried. But like, I mean, we're, we're all failing here. Like everyone's failing. And then you look over and it's like, you mother, you got a fucking A? Are you studying? Are you, did you fucking do your homework, you asshole? And that's how I feel because I mean, Blue Jays fans, they should be excited about their team. Tampa Bay Rays fans, you know they're the, they're there. You know they they they're excited about their team. But with Yankee fans, you know there's it's kind of like that. Uh, there is that like that brother like relationship with Yankee fans, where uh, you know high payrolls, big markets, star players, uh, expectations of a championship every single year, long histories, and then the rivalry that that brings you together playing in the same division and having the history there. And when you have the Yankees starting off to a shit start and the Red Sox starting off to a shit start, it's almost comforting. It's like, all right, I can live with the Rays and the Blue Jays kind of like doing what they're doing. But as long as the Yankees suck, well, we suck. Then like, I feel better about that. Then when they started winning and now they're in first place, now I feel horrible. And then you mix in the fact that Anthony Rizzo uh, is leading like the fucking majors in home runs. And Bob can't hit for shit right now, but he will. Bob's gonna get hot. Mark my words, Bob will get hot. But he's not—he's not hot right now. Uh, yeah, I, I, my balls are completely clipped. I can't talk shit about anyone or anything, and that makes me really sad, Tyler. 
Yeah, you know, and something that's just pissing me off, and I don't know if it's just people who have lost brain cells watching the Red Sox offense lately, and it's led to some issues comprehending things. But if I see another person tweet that the Red Sox could have gone and got Anthony Rizzo, are you paying attention? I'm asking you, are you paying attention? You have Tristan Casas, who's going to be here within a month, maybe a month and a half, depending on how things play out. You think Anthony Rizzo's going to go sit on the bench? You, you think he's going to come here and hang out for a year? And just, you know, in a month and a half, eh, whatever, I'll go sit on the bench. Why not? Let me let this young stud come up and do his thing. No, no, that was never going to happen. And people are going back to last year and crying about it now. Oh, you could have had Anthony Rizzo. Sure, I would have I would have traded that package after Bobby Delbeck embarrassed him down the stretch. And Kyle Schwarber was the best bat at the trade deadline. It's true. People are rewriting history at this point. I understand it's been bad. I get it. I, I truly get it. We're sitting here. We're suffering. Our balls hurt. Listen, <laughs> our balls. Hurt. We we get it. But Anthony Rizzo was not coming to the Red Sox this year. It did not make sense for the Red Sox to bring him in because they have a guy they know who's going to step in and be an Anthony Rizzo esque player for hopefully the next you know decade or whatever it may be. Could they have signed a better platoon bat? Sure. We we get it. Travis Shaw. I think he knows he's retired. Um, but you know, he's, he's out here playing, he's doing his thing. Um, he's trying, it's not good. It's really bad, but he was an above average bat for you down the stretch last year. Mm. It's just, you could have gone about it better. I, I think that's fair, but please spare me on the Anthony Rizzo stuff. You people were wrong. You got dunked on last year. Stop bringing it up now. It's just a different situation. Usually, uh, I, I could have sworn that, and I know that I'm wrong here now after looking at it, but socksprospects.com. I feel like they usually have their their ETA. I could have sworn it was like a month, but it's not. It just says mid-2022. So we're going to see him this year. Easy. He'll be here. I will say Ian Kundal from Sox Prospects on the latest podcast they did over there said that he believes Tristan Cassis is basically major league ready at this point. Now, are there some split stuff that's going around now that people are questioning it? I think people are a little scarred from Jaron Duran last year. Listen, I, I like Jaron Duran. I was on that hype train. I also told you he was going to struggle. But the thing I liked about Jaron Duran is whenever he hit these kind of struggles before, like when he got to double A, he was great at kind of adjusting. It took time. You know, I thought it'd take an offseason. He's gone off to a solid start down in AAA this year with new mechanics. Tristan Casas, this is different. This is a different approach. This guy, if you brought him in right now, no offense to Bobby, you would see the difference in what kind of hitter they are, how they go about things like Tristan Casas is down in AAA telling the umps what a strike is. Like, it's that kind of approach you're talking about. Yeah. And I'm not telling you he'd come up here and light the world on fire. But just getting someone who can work in at bat would go a long way. Now, you shouldn't have to call him up at this point. That's where you miss. That's where you hold time and say, you couldn't get something else to pair with Dalvik, so he didn't get exposed against righties. Yeah, that's a fair conversation. But... No, Anthony Rizzo was not going to come here and play for a month and a half or two. And then you're going to tell him he was going to be a platoon bat. It's too good no. for that. And you're seeing he's too good for that. Tristan Cassis. I mean, if he gets here, that would be the that would be the final kick to the dick for me is if he just comes up here and sucks. That yeah. would hurt me a lot. Kevin Pollard is in fucking triple A. Kevin yeah. Pillar is is uh hitting 317 with a 1042 OPS in in AAA. It's the ninth highest OPS in the league. 
I would have taken that as a platoon option. Tristan Cassis is hitting 225 with an 800 OPS. What's the OBP? 364. Yeah. And he's he's gotten a little colder the last few games and we've kind of seen it play out. You shouldn't have to rely on him at this point. That, that That's the thing. And I think the Red Sox aren't going to get overly aggressive here. I think they're going to give him those couple weeks. But eventually you're going to get to the point, especially if this continues. What other way can you improve? What other way can you take a chance on it? Yeah, he's got one of the highest walk percentages in AAAs, 17%. Yeah, 16th. 16th in walk percentage. Yeah. We shouldn't be doing this. We should, But we shouldn't be doing this. You what? shouldn't have to D- rush Depending a guy on like Tristan Cassis for yes. to save the season. It's so unfair. It, 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 like, this is a guy. This is your, you know, depending on what publication you are, he is your top prospect that's closest to the big leagues right now. You shouldn't have to put this kind of pressure on him. Even Jaron Duran last year had time. You know, we gave him until summer. We're we're what we're, like we're twenty games into the year here, and we're talking about this bad place to be. I would agree. I would agree. It's a bad place to be, uh, especially like I, I mean, I didn't realize like not that like batting average is is what it is, but like I, I would have hoped that he was doing a little bit better than hitting two twenty five. The eight hundred OPS is great, but a lot of that seems like it's walks. That, and that's the thing. He's one of those guys, and we've seen it. It might take him a little bit to get going. Um, the only positive thing was we saw some of the power early in the year. That's been one of those things that's taken a little bit for him usually to kind of figure it out in his game as the year went along. Um, but I, I'm not too worried about the – I think the approach is there. I, I think that's the most important thing. It's just the numbers. You know, right now it's a couple games back and forth. You go back three days ago, I think it was something like – he was hitting like 260 with like a 390 OBP. So it's early in the year. We get it. But once again, you shouldn't be stat watching him. You this is how you're this is how you're risk damage. Just peeking. Guys. No, it's not your fault, Jared. Just I'm, a peek. I'm not blaming you. Yeah. We should be we should be able to take a peek without feeling nervous, without yeah. feeling stressed. Yeah. And that's Just that's peeking. where the that's where the stress is. I want to peek and enjoy. Like, here's something that I didn't expect to see. Uh, Jeter Downs has a better slugging percentage than Tristan Cassis. I, I if gun to my head, if you said like who has a higher slugging percentage, Tristan Cassis or Jeter Downs, I would have been like Tristan Cassis, obviously, and then I would have gotten shot in the head. Yeah, and he's been striking out a ridiculous amount. Jeter Downs, yes. How many strikeouts do you have? His strikeout percentage is 38.3%. That's not going to do it. That's not going to get it done. That might be the worst in the league. Another guy who's working with new swing mechanics at the moment that I believe they added at the end of spring training, hoping it would save him from another disaster year. That is the seventh worst strikeout percentage in AAA right now. And he's got a higher slugging percentage than Tristan Cassis. Hey, I'm not trying to slander Tristan Cassis. I'm just saying that, like, I, 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 from all the fucking highlights that I see out there, I'm like, damn, this dude must be hitting fucking 340 with a with a 1200 OPS. And that's just not the case. It's just not the case. So, all that to say, I get the hype. I believe in his ability to be a 
a very impactful bat at the major league level. But when you look at the Red Sox record right now, and if you're hoping that Tristan Cassis is the savior to the season, maybe pump the brakes on that. That's all. Maybe just pump the brakes on that just for now. Because he'll be here. You'll see him this year. But when you see him, the hope is that he'll be a nice supplemental piece to what we have going on and not the second coming of Christ. And everyone knows that Jesus was a shortstop um, and he had a great righty swing. One of the best of all time. We had a whole segment about that. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Just fucking going to the backhand and chucking him up the line. Jesus. I heard yeah. it was pretty beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, should we look ahead real quick? Yeah, let's let's hope. Let's let's look ahead to better days. Yeah, let's look ahead to better days. I mean, if they don't win the series, Jake, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I, I have to do something. We can I all kill to, ourselves. Yeah, I have to do something to switch it up. Whether it's I mean, I'm not shaving my everyone like goes for like the hair. Oh, you gotta cut your hair, you gotta shave your beard. I'm not doing that. Um I thought I had started a trend when I cut my beard down, when I had groomed myself, it was followed by a Red Sox win. After so maybe, today, I realize my life has no importance or impact on the grand scheme of things. When's the last time you went clean shaven? Oh, it's been a Oh, Zoe shaved me clean. I told him last year when the Red Sox won nine straight uh, in the beginning of the year that I, I'd be willing to shave my beard out of pure happiness. I would be fine with it. If they were able to do that, and that was what we did. And he did it live on the show, and he did a goatee, and a lot of people told me never to ever go clean again. Mm. Don't let... Okay. People can't see this who are listening. Mm -hmm. There's a problem with my face. I'm sorry? It's oh, Jared, I know you see it. Jake, (laughs) you see it. Jake, you see it, right? What's the problem with your face? You're lying. Stop lying to me, both of you. What's the problem with your fucking face? I lack chin definition. <laughs> okay. I, I just, I don't have anything. I have, All right. it kind of just melts into my neck. Okay. Now, fortunately, my mm. beard covers this flaw up. Mm. I can get by. But you look at someone like a Bobby Dahlbeck. Mm-hmm. You see the chin. You see it. You don't see it with me. Okay. It, and it's it's scary. It's not, it's something I'm ashamed of. I don't think you should be ashamed. Oh, trust me. I'll send you pics. All right. I, I'd love to see them. I I mean, I have a beard because, I mean, I have like a skinny face and it kind of like fills my face out a little bit. Yeah, It, it kind of helps me with that a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's a flaw. Nobody's perfect. I don't claim to be perfect. Right. But, you know, if you're grading out my tools, like I'm a prospect. Mm-hmm. Chin on the 2080 scale. 20. Big 20. Yeah. Jake, what would you say your biggest flaw is? Um, spend too much time volunteering. Wow. Okay. You look like that kind of guy. Jared? Uh, my biggest flaw. Hmm. Um, very easily manipulated. Jesus. Or so I've been told by people who have manipulated me. Hmm. (laughs) Happy you take that feedback well. (laughs) No, I didn't take it personally at all. You know? Makes sense why you're easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. I think it's just because I try to see the good in everybody. And then that, bam, manipulated. 
That's wow. Yeah. Don't that here's here's today's life lesson, kids, because you you, you guys are you guys are in your early twenties and I'm the old guy now, which is weird to me. Uh don't try and see the good in everyone, because a lot of people aren't good. Bars. Yeah, be wary of everyone. Even the even the nice people. Make them prove that they're nice. Cause that's how you end up uh that's how you end up on the old manipulation trail. Is everything okay? No. I get it. <laughs> this is dark. This is taking a turn. This is really dark. Actually, that's why I, I like started to get my second sleeve done. And it's just all really dark shit. And people will like be like, oh, like let me see, let me see the progress so far. And I'll show them. They'll be like, are you okay? Like, is there anything all right at home? I'm like, nah, I guess not really, but. I think anybody who tweets and lives baseball like you do, Mm -hmm. you can't be okay mentally to do that. Correct. Like you've got to, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot of darkness in my life. (laughs) God. But one of the bright spots was I uh, have a gig at MLB Network now. Thank you. Thank you. Please. Claps. Claps. Thank you. you. I appreciate that. Uh, Yeah. I remember uh, when MLB Network first came out that uh, I even said, I looked at the TV. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be there someday. I'm going to do that. And 2009, right? 2009. Um, I mean, it took me 13 years, 13 years to get there. Uh, But we got there. And it was really cool. I mean, the Red Sox fucking lost. So it was, uh, it was hard to be like, hey, everyone, look at my personal accomplishment. I know that you're all pissed that the Red Sox season sucks and they just lost another game and scored zero runs. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wanted, to, I wanted to take a little second to appreciate the journey. I don't normally do stuff like that. Normally, when I, uh, if I do something that's cool, I'll just keep it moving because I'm trying to like, not lose the forward progress. Uh, so I, I'm not a big sit and reflect on things guy, but today was really cool because I have always wanted to end up at MLB network. Um, I know that like, that wasn't something that would have happened at my old job there. There was kind of like some conversations about maybe letting me do it, but like, probably not, but like maybe, so I don't know how, like, I don't know if I still would have ended up there. So, I mean, it's one of those things where everything happens for a reason. You know, I'm at DraftKings now and I'm very happy to be here. We also forgot the ad read, Jake. So I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to throw that in right now. Like, yeah, I'm just going to throw that in. Yeah. It's a great segue to talk about DraftKings while we're talking about DraftKings. You know what I mean? Because baseball fans, it's time to step up to the plate with DraftKings Sportsbook, which is what we were talking about. It's an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. New customers could bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If the sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take a swing at Stacks of Green with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Baseball Contest. New customers can play free for thousands in prizes with their first deposit. Pick a lineup of two pitchers and eight batters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. All you got to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D. 
Bet just $5 and win $200 in free bets if your team wins their game. That is promo code Jared at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. You got to be 21 plus to play. Restrictions apply. MLB trademarks used with permission. See the show notes for details. Um, but yeah, the the whole ending up at MLB Network thing was one of those boxes that I felt like not only did I always want to check, but would have felt very unfulfilled in my career if I never did. Um, I know uh, you guys are huge wrestling fans. It's kind of like if you just never main evented WrestleMania or something like that. Like that's like what CM Punk talked about. He's like, yeah, like I've won this title. I've won that title. I've won money in the bank, uh, but I've never main evented a WrestleMania. And it was like a very unfulfilling thing for him. Um, and I, I'm not saying that like that, like, I don't even know what the equivalent for me would be to like main event WrestleMania, quote unquote. Uh, but getting to MLB Network and doing the show, I mean, like my whole career path uh, has prepared me for that so that like I didn't audition. And I mean, I don't really like to rewatch my stuff, so I don't really know how I did. But Jake said that I looked like I fit. And I kind of owe that to Comcast slash NBC Sports Boston. Um, in 2016, I went in, I did a spot with Felger, came out, and then they were like, do you want to be on the baseball show? And I was like, as a guest? And they were like, no, no, no. Like, we're going to put you on the show. Like, it's going to be like you, Lou, Numi, and Sean McAdam. Like, we're going to put you on the show every week. And I was like, uh, okay. Like, I, I had never done TV before. I just got thrown into the fire. I did some spots with NECN during the 2013 World Series. Um, so I had like I, I wasn't like I had never been on TV before, but like those were just like, hey, come to Fenway and we're gonna talk to you about the World Series game from the night before, and then you can go home and go fuck yourself. And I was like, all right, cool. I did that. Um, but with with Comcast, now NBC Sports Boston, um, I got the experience of being in a television studio and having an IFB in my ear. And working with producers and having like a show rundown and being able to prep for live TV and and do all that stuff so that, you know, I can walk into fucking MLB network and be comfortable and just hop on a national television show and feel like I belong there. Like that was, yeah, that was like kind of like a culmination of, um, I guess like everything that, that I have done to this point so it was really fucking cool and i was very happy to to do it so other than that the day was terrible but that part was really fucking cool first off jared i want to say i'm proud of you thank you that's an insanely cool uh achievement um i had one question sure or actually two first off you said you didn't feel you know you were able to settle and you felt like you belong Mm -hmm. was there a build-up beforehand where you got super nervous like leading up right before you went and number two, did you dress yourself? Because I thought I thought you looked pretty fly. <laughs> so uh, I, the way that my brain works is that I don't get nervous for things until they happen. Uh, and we we did baseball is dead this morning. So my whole thing was like, all right, I flew in last night, got in. Uh, I don't even remember. I think I, I think I ate dinner before I flew, so I came in. And like watch the rest. I watched the Red Sox on the plane, finished the game at the airport, came back to the hotel, chilled at the hotel. 
um, then yep. woke up and we did baseball is dead. So like, I wasn't even thinking about like, Oh fuck. Like I got to go to MLB network today. And like, I got to make a good impression. I was like, we got to like crush this podcast because we have Joe West on. And I know that a lot of people are going to maybe be listening for the first time. So I want to make sure that they come for Joe West, but stay for baseball is dead. Um, so did that at 10 AM. And then we had like a show prep zoom at noon where we talked about what we were going to talk about. I did a little research based on the rundown, took an Uber over there at like 1.30. And I had been there before because I interviewed D-Row during the playoffs in 2019. So it wasn't like walking into a brand new space. Like I had been in there before. Um, I knew a bunch of the people. Like Keith, I knew from, from Yankee Twitter. Scruggs, I knew. I met him at the All-Star Game in Denver. And Lauren, Lauren and I have been friends for like almost a year now, but we had never met in person, but like it's fucking 2022. Like when you see people on like TV and FaceTime or whatever else, like it feels like you, you've met them. So it's not really like, oh my God, nice to meet you. Um, so I was comfortable with like the people that I was working with on the show. Uh, but yeah, like I just kind of walked around and met people and it was really cool. Like it, they were like, they, like, I felt very welcomed there, which I don't know. I mean, like that's not, it's, it's cool. And I guess like it means a lot, but it's not important to me. Like there's plenty of places that I've gone where like, I didn't feel welcome. And it's like, I'm still going to do my thing. Like whether you want me here or not, like I'm still going to do my thing. But there, that vibe did not exist there at all. They were all just like super fucking nice and complimentary. And uh, yeah, it was top notch. So yeah, I I guess like like I think it was 2011. The clip is Adrian Gonzalez at the plate, and it's Red Sox Yankees. Bob Costas is on the broadcast, and MLB Network like came to my house, my mom's basement, and they like shot this like mini, not like a doc, but it was just like kind of like a like a little like bio on me or something like that, and they ran it during. Uh, like Wednesday night baseball on MLB Network or something. So it was like a really cool, like full circle moment to be like, yeah, like I was stoked. Like I, I was like, oh my fucking god, I'm, I'm getting like this little thing on MLB Network, and I was 22 at the time. Um, so to kind of stick with it for a decade later and kind of get the call up to actually be wanted on the air was just a whole different type of feeling of like accomplishment and i again i don't like like i'm not the person to like celebrate personal successes i'm always just like uh i i, I compare it to um like like if you're playing like mortal Kombat, right and the fucking health bar is at the top i always feel like the health is like gradually decreasing and then if i ever do something good it like bumps up a little bit so it's like all right i bought myself some life like that's how i feel about like successes in life is like all right i bought myself a little bit of life so i can like at least stay alive and keep playing the game uh but this one felt different like going to DraftKings felt different uh like it feels like you're no longer looking at it as if I'm just trying to keep my head above water. It's like, no, like I'm the boss character and I'm not like, this is where I play. This is my house. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely felt like, um, yeah, it felt different. It's like you, you've actually worked your fucking balls off for literally 
half of your time alive. Like I started my blog when I was 16 and then New Year's Day was the 16 year anniversary. So I had been doing it for exactly half my life on New Year's Day, this past New Year's Day. <clears throat> so yeah, I think uh I think it was just one of those things where I was like, holy fuck. But I don't I don't get nervous for that stuff because I don't like like my mom texted me this morning. She's like, Are you nervous? Are you excited? And I was like, No, I'm like honestly not thinking about it because you can psych yourself out. Uh like if I got too amped up for or too excited for it, I think it would have shown and I would have been nervous and I would have sucked. So I was almost just treating it like, Yeah, yeah, I'm an LMB network today, not a big deal. But like after it was over, I could like take a breath and be like, you did it. Like, yeah, like you fucking, you called your shot. Like you said, you would end up there someday and you just fucking did a whole last show on there. Uh, so yeah, I don't know how often, like I'm going to be on there again tomorrow, Friday. Uh, so I'm doing the same show. Um, and I don't know how often I'll be back, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be like, Hey, we're going to have you in for Thursday, Friday, and then go fuck yourself type deal. Like it sounds like I'll be in the mix a little bit this year. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm really excited. And just so that we're clear, like that's not like a slight against Barstool. Like I also would not be in a position to do this stuff if it weren't, if it weren't for Barstool either. Like, like being at Barstool a thousand percent, like built my brand. It like I learned so much about like work ethic from Dave. Um, and how to, succeed as like a a sports media personality just from like watching him and like being around him so like it's not something where i'm saying like oh i i'm only doing this because i'm at DraftKings now like no i i think each piece of my journey put me in a position to be here now to where i can say like yeah like i'm on a fucking show on mlb network like that's crazy to me but yeah i think uh it's something that may not hit me for a while. It may never hit me because if I if I continue to work there, then it's just going to become normal to me and I'll never have a moment where I'm like, damn, remember that time that I was like on a show on MLB Network? Like, I don't know. I have no idea. But all I can say is is I'm fu- I'm fucking happy, Tyler. I'm happy and I I uh I'm not one of those people that um I guess like once you feel like you've achieved something, you take your foot off the gas. Like that's not me. You're going to push even harder. Yeah. Like once you kind of like, it's, it's the, it's the equivalent to like playing major league baseball. It's like, you don't just get called up to the big leagues and you're like, all right, I made it, put my feet up. I'm a bit, I'm a big leaguer now. It's like, all right, now I'm obsessed with being in the big leagues. Like now I want to fucking, uh, I want to hit 40 homers. I want to make an all-star team. I want to win an MVP. I want to I want to win a World Series. I want to be in the Hall of Fame. I want to have 10 years in the big leagues. I want my jersey retired. Like that's kind of <clears throat> that's kind of what this feels like is I mean the 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 life of a minor leaguer it shouldn't take you 16 years to get to the big <laughs> leagues. Uh this journey happened to take me 16 years uh to get there. Um like I'm not some fucking overnight success by any means. Um, but yeah, I think now that I'm here, I want to, I want to stay here. So whatever that takes, uh, that's what I'm going to do. But like, you know, you kind of talk about it, that health bar, you get addicted to that feeling, right? Like that feeling of the pressure coming in when it's lower and lower, you felt like you haven't hit that next level. You feel like you haven't surprised everybody in a while. You know, I think when people say, Oh, you see Jared was on MLB network. 
Like that, it's another step. It's another step in that career, another achievement. You get addicted to that feeling again and that bar going up and up. But now it's like, all right, what am I going to do now? What's the next thing I can do where everyone's going to be like, damn, okay. Yeah. Like, what What's beyond MLB Network? You know what I, I got, mean? I got something. I got something up my sleeve. There is something else. I haven't announced it yet, but there is another thing coming. <clears throat> and I, I, this is like, this is the cool part. So, I, I mean, I have these conversations with, with like people at Barstool. Uh, you know, and, and like when I did the when I when I cut that like promo announcing that I was going to DraftKings, they asked me like, "Why did you come to DraftKings?" And I wish I had a better answer than the one that I gave because the, the real answer is like I felt like I had something to prove. Like I felt like I still had something to prove, and um, I I definitely resented the people that were like, "You can't do it without Barstool." It wasn't. Like me going out and like doing all this stuff has nothing to do with like proving Dave or Erica wrong because I think that they believed in me too. Uh, it was more just being like, all right, if you think, because you know what it was? Every year when they do that uh, baseball personality Twitter bracket, every year I've been in the finals and every year I've lost. And it's because when I would get to the finals, everyone would be like, all right, it wouldn't be vote for who you're going against. It'd be vote against him because he's with Barstool. Fuck Barstool. And that used to make me so fucking mad. I mean, it's it's a pointless like tournament. It's for it's supposed to be for fun. And it is. And I enjoy it. And like I enjoy like when I match up against people that I don't know. And that's how I've connected with like other people in the baseball space. Uh, it was more just like feeling like I'm not my own entity. Like people are like, he's Barstool. And we need to take down Barstool. I'm like, why, why can't I just be Jared? You but know, see, I think a lot of people who listen to this and have followed your journey will say, and you know, it's no shade to some people, but some people, when they've been on the Barstool brand, it's been Barstool has become part of their identity. I think you, you always rode with Barstool. It was always part of, you know, the platform and everything, but it was always Jared Carabas leading the way. It yeah. wasn't barstool leading the way and that's why your platform reached beyond you know from originally just red sox base to outside that and then something now where beyond barstool and after barstool everybody's still checking for jared caravis yeah yeah and and i i tried to make that clear to them like hey like i'm going somewhere else because i i want to to, I, i have something to prove like i I don't want the narrative to be like, you can't do it without Dave. You can't do it without Barstool, which is why um, I don't know if you saw the the tweet of uh, the WWE title in my fridge. Did you see that picture? Did you see that, Jake? I don't think so, no. Okay. I didn't either. So it was the day that the shows debuted. Um, and the... the uh, this is a Boondock Saints reference. The symbology behind that picture was um, so CM Punk, who like I've, I idolize and like I, I give him credit for like shaping like the the rocket character of just being like this like in your face and whatever. Like I drew a lot of inspiration from from CM Punk. So he uh, he did this angle where his contract was up and he it was really up in real life. And he, I think he had to sign like a one day extension to have like this pay per view match with John Cena, and the whole angle was like I, they were in Chicago, and he was like, "I'm gonna win the title, and then I'm gonna leave the company, like I'm like in your face type deal." So he he won 
the title and escaped through the crowd in Chicago where he lives, went like up the stairs through the concourse and escaped and went to where he lives in Chicago. <clears throat> and he was like, I didn't know what to do with the title. So I just put it in my fridge and took a picture of it. So uh, I have a WWE title at my house. And the day that the new podcast came out, um, I put my WWE title in my fridge and took a picture of it because we debuted Baseball is Dead debuted at number one and this podcast debuted at number two. So that was my way of saying like, yeah, like I like I left to prove that like I can do this on my own type deal. I mean, obviously it, like I'm doing it with you guys for sure. But like I I definitely wanted to prove like, you know, to the people that were like, well, you can't do it without Barstool. Um, you're beyond the platform. No, it's not even saying like I'm I'm better than that. Like it's not that. It was just like you I had to prove it to myself more so than like people that were doubting if I could do it on my own type deal. And yeah, well, you're young enough. And I explained that to them and they understood. They were like, yeah, you know, <clears throat> like we like they even said, like, yeah, we believe in you. Like it was not, it was not a bitter conversation. It was uh it was a supportive conversation. So yeah, I, I guess that's why um I don't know. For like the first time in a long time in my career, I actually felt accomplished instead of chasing something for so long. Because uh, you always want to know, like, is it is it me? Is it is it the barstool branding and backing? Is is that why people like this stuff? And you know, to find out that people like you for you, that's a pretty good fucking feeling. So that's uh, that's where I'm at tonight. Can you promise me something? Sure. Okay, now CM Punk. I'm not a wrestling guy, mm-hmm. but I was a UFC MMA guy for uh-huh. a bit. Um, and you know, I'm someone. You know, Jared. I think I have a little bit of this manipulation issue that you have. Mm-hmm. CM Punk won me over some with some of those pressers. Some mm-hmm. of the stuff he said. I, you know, despite no skill, just the care and the fight and mm-hmm. how much he wanted it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, getting his brains beaten in. Yeah, Mickey Gall handled him, uh, mm-hmm. especially that first time around. Um, you got to promise me you don't do something like that. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to see that. If I, I will do my best to not put myself in a position to get my brains beaten on pay-per-view. I, I can promise you that. Um, what I can't promise you is that I won't keep trying new things. I mean, I may not succeed at all of them. Uh, which is, I think what punk was trying to do is like, I just want a new challenge, <clears throat> I think. And then, I, there's probably a parallel there too, where when you're, when you're doing professional wrestling for so, your whole life, and then everyone's like, well, you're like a fake tough guy, like wrestling's not real. And then you kind of have that, that itch to be like, all right, well, I can fight for real. It didn't work out for him. And then he but went to back. get in there. Yeah. But to, to get, get in, in there, there takes octagon? balls. Yeah. There are a lot of people out there that, uh, fancy themselves uh, fighters or experts in the field and they, they won't get in there. They won't get in the octagon and, and take a punch to the face. He did. So it takes balls to do that. Uh, by the way, Punk, huge baseball guy. Yeah, big Cubs fan. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, Punk and I... So that's the, that's the also another part of like that, that's like fucking crazy is <clears throat> doing this job, you get to like meet people that you wouldn't get to meet otherwise and getting to meet him like we just bonded because like he's known for wrestling i'm known for baseball 
but we both love horror movies uh and i love professional wrestling so like we kind of just like the things that like he didn't want to talk about but i wanted like it kind of just was like a puzzle piece that like fit so yeah we and we're both like super anti-social so yeah that part's been cool to like get to actually like talk to him and like we i've interviewed him a couple times but one of the interviews that i did all we did was talk about horror movies like he was doing like a like a media tour and i'm sure he just got nothing but wrestling questions it was before he came back uh but i got to interview him and we just talked about like horror movies the whole time wow. so we just clicked that's beautiful fucking, yeah <laughs> yeah so but, he would uh sit in the bar with us and be antisocial and not talk to anybody he would be part of our little duo well he doesn't drink so he might not even show up in the bar wow. i know he's a kowloon guy he's been a kowloon before Hey, I'm not a I'm not a drinker either. Yeah, we, you go. we can just hang. We can yeah. just watch some baseball. We can just go to Kowloon and tell them to put the Cubs game on, and we're just three pals hanging out. That's another thing I'm embarrassed to say I have yet to experience. I mean, that's that's fair though. Like, I, like your first Kowloon experience should be with me and Jimmy Stewart. Like, it should be. That's what uh, Jimmy Stewart has told me. He told me it's a different it's a different vibe when you're there. It's a, it's a nice, comfortable relaxed setting somewhere where everyone can kind of be themselves and you know it's not crazy it's not that typical bar setting yeah it's almost like a i don't want to say country club but it's almost like a like a social club where if you're gonna get the right experience you should be brought in by someone in the in the kowloon inner circle i need to get one of those uh cool kowloon hoodies oh if yeah we'll that's That's my next thing yeah that's that's a done deal we'll take care of you there um, it's on the list. It's on the list. It's on the list. Uh, <clears throat> Jake, did I say anything stupid? No, nah, I think you nailed everything. Very mm-hmm. genuine, and uh, I think people are going to appreciate that. All right. Just making sure I didn't say anything dumb. <laughs> uh, I don't even think we have to look ahead at this point. It's the fucking Orioles. Just win the series. I got Please. the socks sweeping. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll go sweep as well. I'm going to hope the bats wake up. Um, we're not going to have any stressful games. The next three are going to be very similar to game three. We're, we're going to get a lead. There's going to be breathing room. The bats are going to do what they have to do. And we see Trevor Story's first homer. Ooh, I like that pick. A little, little extra, little extra salsa spice on there. Can I just say it's absolutely ridiculous that ball he smashed off the wall wasn't the, his first home run. Yeah. Any the- year where the balls aren't, you know, dead gone yeah i didn't Threw think somebody. when we launched this new podcast baseball is dead that we'd be talking about the actual fucking baseballs here we are here we are uh jake what do you got in this series uh i got the socks on a sweep but <laughs> okay if, but i'll just say if they don't sweep then i'm going to start predicting the socks to get swept every series okay oh my that's God. fair they sweep and then i'll switch back to the sock sweeping what if they take two out of three are you still going to say sweep no, or no, you're going to say they they're going to get swept they, yeah, they're going to get swept. I, They have to sweep the Orioles. They have to. That's yeah. just not a good team. <clears throat> they were throwing the ball well, and then they ran into the Yankees. But <sighs> All right. Well, uh, that uh, we, should get a, we should get a name for the show soon, Jake. What do you think? I would love one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. I would, uh, I would very much love and appreciate a name for this show. Maybe I'll get on that. I don't know. I, 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 uh, 
we're obviously holding out for for you know what. I don't know what the latest is there. Maybe we get it. Maybe we don't. I don't know. I'm not really involved in those conversations, but um, yeah, I would say I would, I would like a I would like a name for the show by like the mid May, the end of May. Just waiting for the Red Sox to get hot. Yeah, just waiting for the Sox to get hot. Let's just let let's just win a series, and then we can get a we can get a name for the show. Uh, and this the streams. I know people were asking about that. Originally, we were supposed to do uh, May third. It's now May tenth, Jake. Yeah, it's going to be Tuesday, May tenth. Tuesday, May tenth is going to be when I stream from my apartment. Nine TVs watching all the games. <clears throat> the Red Sox on the main one. Uh, I believe New uh, Lumerloni is slated for that May 10th debut. And it, it, it kind of works out that we didn't do the third because I guess the Celtics are playing on the third. So, yeah. But whoever, I mean, it's it's not always going to be me and Lou. It's I mean, it, Lou has a seat whenever he wants a seat. I'll tell you that right now. Lou wants to do every show. He can do every show. Uh, but the the angle that we're going for is we're just going to watch these baseball games with Whoever, I mean, Zoe said he wants to come by. He just he just wants the the free beer. I got like a whole fridge of name redacted beer. We'll fill in the blank when when someone wants to start writing some checks over here. Um, but I can pass along the message that he is willing to do whatever you want him to do. <laughs> come up with some stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get creative. It can't just be <clears throat> it can't just be your run of the mill watch baseball stream there's gonna have to be some some uh some plot twists in there and I'm, I'm happy to to think of them so all right uh we'll be back at the end of the Orioles series maybe this is the sunday that we all get together jake i don't know yeah yeah we're good to go if if we want to fuck yeah all right sunday night pete tyler jake pat maybe he shows up uh we'll be recording live and i also uh i want to bring another blast from the past let's see how long you've been riding with me if you know who this individual is it's before barstool um i want to get him in the mix too maybe you know who i'm talking about maybe you don't um but he's a trip and he loves his red Sox, and he's in the He's in the Boston area, and I kind of want to bring back some some nostalgia uh, with with this individual. So maybe he's there Sunday. Maybe he's there a different Sunday. I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out, Jake. So, um, this has been uh, this has been talking talking socks uh, without Pat and Pete, which usually I don't know. It's just it's just different. It's a different. It's a good tone. It's just, it, it's a different flavor. It's like uh, it's like sherbet. Not a Sherbert guy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> see, you, see you Sunday. Buenas noches, amigos. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.